за вашу волю. Круг містечка, берестечка, на чотири милі. Мене вчора козаченьки своїм трупом вкрили. Alexei Kirikesha and Fata Margana and Oikolete Pochernilo Zelenea Pole, which translates as Oh When You Blackened the Green Field. Song from Ukraine's war torn past and now war torn present. Dobrivacher Ivi Tayovas Vsih Dorihi Radio Suchina Radio Prashamu Nash Holos Radio Krinsko Ho Kurinya. Kutrapodiatsivam Nabahatomovni Radio Stansi AM Trinatia Dvatia CHMB Umisti Vancouveri. Primikrofoni Pavlina Tiaku Yushori Shole Perbutazim Noyunastupnu Hudeno. Hello there and welcome to Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio coming to you on AM thirteen twenty CHMB Vancouver. I'm your host, Pavlina. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, this is a very difficult program, the most difficult program in the 30-some years I've been doing this show. I remember in 1991, and the Soviet Union collapsed, Ukraine got its independence. And then over the years, it seemed like there was only a bright future for Ukraine. Never thought that we would go back to that war-torn past and relive it. Over these these years I've been doing Nash Holos, I've been playing songs that celebrated the legend of the fierce fighters of Ukraine and also that the sorrow, that, that depicted the sorrow of the victims of war. And I never thought that I would actually live in a time when that was happening. Those songs actually came to life and not in a good way. Today's program will be because everybody's mind is on the war. It's all over the all over the media. It's all over everywhere. I'm not 
I don't need to repeat that here, but I can't do the usual upbeat programming, music, and so forth that I try to do with this program, just to entertain people, make you feel good about your Ukrainian heritage. And uh, my heart is just breaking for the people that I know there, the many people who've been on this show for interviews, have shared their music and their stories, and are now, I don't know, if their homes are being bombed. It's it's unspeakable. I won't dwell on that. I will try to bring you uh, good information in this program. We've got an interview with Jean Berezovsky of Ukraine War Amps, and uh, we spoke on Monday about the work that they're doing, and of course they're going to need a lot more help from all of us. Um, so stay tuned for that as well. We've got a little story about Donetsk, uh, historical vignette, courtesy Irena Bell in, of the Ukrainian program in Ottawa, and as well a book review, which has aired before, but certainly is apropos for anybody new listening, might be interested in Ukraine's nuclear disarmament, which arguably could be considered the root cause of this awful war in Ukraine today. We'll also have our usual proverb of the week, other items of interest, and great Ukrainian music. And coming up next is Ludwig from London, England. And this is an original composition that he released back in 2014 when Russia first annexed uh, Crimea and moved into eastern Ukraine. And if only the world had heeded this warning. Condemnation, condemnation doesn't change the situation. Put in Hitler of today, who knows his final destination. Now they all express concern. The situation is unstable, and they say we should return to the negotiation table. Ever heard the terms invasion? Occupation, annexation, indecision, all resulting in complete capitulation. Then they'll all repeat their lies again to try to justify that for the greater good of all, a country's freedom was denied. There's two kinds of people that we got in this world. There's those who fight for change. It's got to stay the same There's two kinds of people that we've got in this world There's those who fight for truth And those who find the reasons There's nothing you can do So which of them are you? As was many times before We've got to see this to the end To stand together yet alone Freedom to defend They say the times have changed But if we're talking of Ukraine Stalin's, Hitler's and now Putin's Real intentions stay the same Be sure of this, you leaders Of the West you'll have to see Your cowardice in history Recalled eternally your children and descendants will disown you and your names Ashamed that you betrayed a sovereign country called Ukraine There's two kinds of people that we've got in this world There's those who fight for change And those who find the reasons It's got to stay the same there's two kinds of people that we've got in this world There's those who fight for truth And those who find the reasons There's nothing you can do So which of them are you? Democracy depends On dictatorship is here The gas they sell you hates you But you have to live in fear so free yourselves from all the devil Putin has to sell Then hopefully he'll leave us be and crawl back into hell There's two kinds of people that we've got in this world There's those who fight for change And those 
those who find the reasons It's got to stay the same There's two kinds of people that we've got in this world There's those who fight for truth And those who find the reasons There's nothing you can do So which of them are you? There's three kinds of people that we've got in this world There's those who fight for change And those who find the reasons It's got to stay the same There's two kinds of people that we've got in this world There's those who fight for truth And those who find the reasons There's nothing you can do So which of them are you? Thanks to the foresight and generosity of its donors, the Shevchenko Foundation has been investing in the future of the Ukrainian-Canadian community for over 50 years. Since 1963, the Shevchenko Foundation has been funding initiatives that strengthen our Ukrainian-Canadian identity and enhance our Ukrainian-Canadian cultural heritage. These include fine and performing arts and arts groups, museums, cultural centers, education, as well as authors, journalists, and the Ukrainian-Canadian media, including this program. The Foundation strives to become the premier not-for-profit foundation in a Canada, which acknowledges the Ukrainian-Canadian community as a fundamental component of Canadian society. Nash Hollis listeners are encouraged to support this vision through continued donations into the future. To apply for grants, make a donation, or for more information, visit ShochenkoFoundation.com. Early bird weekend passes for Canada's National Ukrainian Festival 2022 are now available for only $110. Don't miss the very best in Ukrainian culture, food, music, and dancing on August long weekend in Dauphin, Manitoba. Visit Canada's National Ukrainian Festival on Facebook for featured entertainment. For only $110, early bird weekend passes are now available for Canada's National Ukrainian Festival 2022 in Dauphin, Manitoba. By phone at 204-622-4600 or online at cnuf.ca. Welcome to Knishka Corner, book reviews by Myra Junik, Ukrainian stories in English. In this edition of Knishka Corner, we will be discussing Yuri Kostenko's book, Ukraine's Nuclear Disarmament, A History. Ukraine's Nuclear Disarmament, A History published by the Ukrainian Research Institute at Harvard University, outlines the factors which led Ukraine to sign the Budapest Memorandum in 1994. This agreement denuclearized the country. It also questions whether this was the right decision for Ukraine's future. Yuri Kostenko's insider account will help readers understand the power dynamics involved with Ukraine's fateful decision to give up its nuclear weapons in the mid-1990s, leaving Ukraine vulnerable to Russian aggression. In 2014, 20 years after the Budapest Memorandum was signed, Russia annexed Crimea and supported an insurgency in eastern Ukraine. The first chapter an infant in a grown-up's game, outlines the influences which impacted Ukraine's initial decision-making. In July 1990, as the Ukrainian parliament was drafting the Declaration of State Sovereignty of Ukraine, Ivan Drach, the leader of Narodny Ruch, suggested that perhaps nuclear weapons should be banned on Ukrainian territory. This was a new and controversial idea. After the dissolution of the Soviet Union, Ukraine was left with the third largest nuclear arsenal in the world, after the United States and Russia. Russia wanted complete nuclear disarmament of all former Soviet republics, other than Russia. Russia would then take ownership of these nuclear armaments giving them increased power, influence, and financial benefits. It would also remove all potential nuclear threats 
on its doorstep. Russians believed that Ukraine was still a part of Russia, and therefore Ukraine should readily comply with Russia's wishes. The United States also wanted to prevent the proliferation of nuclear weapons, and they preferred to maintain the status quo by moving the nuclear weapons to Russia. Subsequent chapters outline the torturous process which led to Ukraine's nuclear disarmament and the resulting weakening of its international status. In its early days of independence, Ukraine lacked a robust political, economic, and security decision-making structure. It was heavily reliant on Russian-influenced leaders. Russia and the United States moved ahead diplomatically, assuming Ukraine would eventually give up its nuclear arsenal. They negotiated the START I and START II treaties with very little Ukrainian input. Meanwhile, Ukrainian parliamentarians examined issues of payment for nuclear materials and retention of some weaponry. Ukraine's national interests and a distinct understanding that Russia was not our ally in this process were central to the development of the Nuclear Disarmament Action Plan. In 1994, the United States started belatedly supporting Ukrainian independence from Russian influence. However, with the election of President Kuchma and his new parliament in 1994, those Ukrainian diplomatic players who understood the potential risks were sidelined. In the end, Ukraine capitulated and signed the Budapest Memorandum. They believed their sovereignty would be protected in the future. Yuri Kostenko's account is a thorough examination of a difficult subject. As Ukraine's Minister of Environmental Protection and Nuclear Safety from 1992 to 1998, he participated in many of the discussions and negotiations relating to Ukraine's nuclear status. Based on previously unavailable documents, Kostenko gives readers insight into the Ukrainian parliamentary debates about Russian and American proposals for nuclear disarmament. These international partners exerted pressure on the newly independent Ukraine. In the end, Ukraine had little choice but to give up its nuclear arsenal to Russia. As a result, Ukraine was now virtually defenseless against Russian aggression. In 2014, when Russia invaded Crimea and eastern Ukraine, those countries who had guaranteed Ukraine's borders did not live up to their commitments. Koskento tells readers, paper agreements and friendly pats on the back do not work in the contemporary world. This book will appeal to a variety of readers interested in Ukraine's history, nuclear disarmament, international politics, and Russian aggression. This dense but well-written text is thoroughly researched. Academics will appreciate the documents in the appendices, as well as the detailed footnotes. The photographs and biographical text boxes about key players in Ukraine's nuclear disarmament are also important to the historical record. Yuri Kostenko is a Ukrainian politician and leader of the Ukraine People's Party. From 1990 to 2014, he was a member of the Parliament of Ukraine. In the years 1992 to 1998, he joined the cabinet with portfolios governing environmental protection and nuclear safety. Kostenko was a top-level representative of Ukraine in the negotiations with the Western powers and Russia on the denuclearization of Ukraine in the 1990s. Ukraine's Nuclear Disarmament, a History, was published by the Ukrainian Research Institute at Harvard University, Huri. Kostenko currently lives in Kiev, Ukraine. Ukraine's Nuclear Disarmament, a History is available at Amazon and Huri Books. 
Thanks, Myra. Join us again soon for another edition of Kanishka Corner, book reviews by Myra Junik, here on Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio. call with a traditional Ukrainian folk song, Hey Pleva Kacha, which translates as um, a, a duck is swimming, but uh, that is uh, symbolic and it has really become a modern day dirge since about the, um, well, since Maidan 2014, uh, when all this uh, this horror started. Ina Ishchenko and Hey Pleva Kacha. This is Irena Bell, producer and host of the Ukrainian Hour on Chin Radio in Ottawa, with a Did You Know Chisnalevi segment, and special greetings to the listeners of Nash Holos. Did you know that the city of Donetsk was originally named Huziuka? Donetsk, the fifth largest city in Ukraine and a major center for coal and steel production, was established around the ironworks company built by Welsh entrepreneur John Hughes in the 1870s, and the settlement was named Huziuka in honor of John Hughes. An engineering and shipbuilding company in London had received an order from the Russian Empire for plating, and so John Hughes sailed to Ukraine with shiploads of equipment and specialist iron workers and miners, mostly from South Wales, to build a metallurgical plant and rail factory. He also took his wife and eight children to start a new life thousands of miles from home. Many of the men who accompanied John Hughes settled in Huziuka, bringing out their wives and families too. The Hughes factory gave its name to the settlement, and the town of Huziuka grew rapidly. John Hughes provided a hospital, schools, bathhouses, and tea rooms for the community, along with a fire brigade and an Anglican church dedicated to the patron saints of St. George and St. David and many Greeks from Crimea also came to work in the Hughes factory. In 1889, Hughes died during a business trip to St. Petersburg, and his company was taken over by his four surviving sons. They rapidly expanded the works in the 1890s, and again at the outbreak of the World War I in 1914, to produce artillery shells. The Bolshevik Revolution of 1917 led to the departure of almost all of the company's foreign employees, but the works survived under the rule of the communists, who renamed the city Stalino. In 1961, 
the name was changed to Donetsk. Documentary filmmaker Colin Thomas visited Donetsk in 2008 and found that the Velikobritania Hotel, built in 1883, is one of the oldest surviving buildings in Donetsk. And some of the houses built for the skilled workers who came over from Britain to build Huziuka still stand. Colin Thomas produced a TV documentary in 1991 and wrote a book about the history of Donetsk, published in 2009, with the title Dreaming a City, From Wales to Ukraine. Since Ukraine's independence, a statue of John Hughes has been put up, and there is some pride now in the origins of the place and its connection with John Hughes. The British Council there runs lectures about the Welsh connection with Donetsk. Donetsk is home also to Shakhtar Donetsk, one of Ukraine's most successful football clubs, owned by billionaire oligarch Rinat Akhmetov, and was the venue for the Euro 2012 football matches. This also reflects the legacy of John Hughes, as the first football team in Donetsk was formed in 1911 as part of the Yuziuka Steelworks Sports Club. Many thanks to Irena Bell of the Ukrainian radio program in Ottawa for sharing Chisnalave, Did You Know, with Nasholis listeners. You can catch her show at www.chinradioottawa.com. <laughs> Early bird weekend passes for Canada's National Ukrainian Festival 2022 are now available for only $110. Don't miss the very best in Ukrainian culture, food, music, and dancing on August long weekend in Dauphin, Manitoba. Visit Canada's National Ukrainian Festival on Facebook for featured entertainment. For only $110, early bird weekend passes are now available for Canada's National Ukrainian Festival 2022 in Dauphin, Manitoba. By phone at 204-622-4600 or online at cnuf.ca. Ukraine War Amps was founded in 2014 by two caring Canadians concerned about the well-being and lack of treatment for Ukrainian soldiers injured while defending their country against Russian aggression. John Broadhead and Jean Berezovsky co-founded Ukraine War Amps in Toronto in 2014. John is a third-generation Canadian of Irish descent whose father was a war amputee from World War II. Jean is a Ukrainian-Canadian originally from Kiev. John and Jean have worked together at a tech company called Gesture Tech for over a decade now. They started Ukraine War Amps after Jean spent a couple of months helping the Donbass Battalion. Gene realized he could only give so much individually, so he partnered up with John to create Ukraine War Amps. Gene joins me now by phone from Toronto to give us an update on what Ukraine War Amps is currently doing to help wounded Ukrainian soldiers, especially given the escalating war situation in Ukraine. He'll also let us know how we can help these heroes of Ukraine and the families of the fallen. So welcome back to the show, Gene. Thank you. Thank you for having me. 
Well, it's uh, certainly troubling times, and the situation is, is so volatile. As we record today, news reports are that Russia's President Putin is about to launch a full-scale invasion of Ukraine. By the time this goes to air, he may well have done so, or not, who knows. But in either scenario, Ukrainian soldiers are being killed and maimed, as they have been since 2014, when Ukraine war amps stepped up to the plate to help. So, Jean, for the benefit of listeners who are new and are not familiar with Ukraine war amps, would you give a quick overview of your organization and uh, what you've been doing since 2014? You know, I would uh, um, say uh, briefly that we are kind of social services for our wounded heroes, for those Ukrainians who stood up for their motherland starting in 2014. Mm-hmm. And we basically worldwide community of people who cares about Ukrainian veterans, about wounded soldiers in this war. Mm-hmm. And uh, we are helping hand to these guys, to their families, to families of uh, fallen heroes and children of war. And you did that because the Ukrainian government wasn't doing much to help them, their own soldiers. Uh, frankly, it's, uh, it's hard to imagine any uh, government doing enough. That's true. That's true. You know, in any situation like that. So what you've been doing is stepping in. Uh, his government kind of, I guess, can provide basic, um, but they don't, governments don't care about people like you do. And also they don't want to spend as much money as really is needed because you're, you do lots of things. You do, you provide prosthetics, you provide therapy. What are, what are some of the things that, that you've been doing specifically to help these wounded heroes? You know, we provide them, we, we pay off their rehabilitation bills. Mm. We provide the, the money for treatment and medicine or even food. You know, for the winter holidays, we actually ship down uh, parcels of food for about uh, 20 veterans. And around 20 veterans got parcels with uh, clothes. So, we, yeah, actually, um, when we ship, uh, ship this stuff, we consider veteran and uh, his entire family. So uh, we're trying to be up to date to see if, uh, if there are any kids or etc. So we actually looking into entire family because, you know, mm-hmm. uh, as um, they are in charge of uh, not only themselves and uh, it's not only about them, it's right. about kids, about yeah, the family, and uh, you know how family is important for everyone of sure. us and Ukrainian families for Ukrainians, and we are talking uh, on a family day in Ontario. That's right, yes, yeah. You guys have a family day too, eh? In, yes, uh, we have it here. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, here you go. It's a family day, and uh, we have a day off just to celebrate your family. Mm-hmm. And, and when we support a veteran, it's... Uh, it's often guys who had family before war started mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, never able to hold his kids in his hands because there is no hand, yeah. there are no hands anymore. Yeah. There are guys who actually started family after the war began uh, oh. and mm-hmm. uh, people who not never going to see their wives or kids just because they're blind. Oh, uh, I mean, yeah. the veterans, Yeah. yeah. So family is uh, is crucial and very important. Those veterans who have families, they have actually better chances to survive as well. Yeah. Right. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of the Ukrainian family on a family day, it's, it's very symbolic. Mm-hmm. And uh, helping our veterans, we actually, yeah, we, we do more than just uh, help wounded guys. Taking care of uh, his needs, sometimes of uh, his family needs, uh, uh, we taking care of uh, rehabilitation and stuff like that. Yeah. When you say rehabilitation, you, uh, what exactly does that entail? You know, they have uh, rehabilitation centers uh, across Ukraine, and uh, some of them uh, could be sponsored or partially sponsored by government, mm-hmm. but some are private centers, and you have to pay for yourself. Which is, uh, again, uh, if you're thinking of Canada, the amount they pay over there is uh, pretty symbolic. It could be like a thousand dollars. But for somebody uh, wounded uh, without solid income, it's a huge amount. Right, sure. 
so these are things they go there for PTSD counseling, for physical rehabilitation. Do yeah, they get exactly. Fitted, exactly. Fit, physical. Mm-hmm. Fitted yep. for prosthetics and things like that? Not necessarily. Yeah. Sometimes you need to learn walking from scratch, but mm. sometimes uh, just learning how to live a um, sort of normal life mm. as much as possible, how yeah. to move around, how to support themselves. Yeah. And for families, I mean, to have husband or father, brother, son come back so damaged from the war, what you provide to help them, they don't have to worry as much about scrambling to find the money. They can focus on healing. Yeah, this uh, part is very important. Uh, Again, luckily for us, all services cheaper there, so it's easier for us uh, to provide them with means of uh, treatment inside Ukraine. It's easier than, let's say, uh, pay a flight ticket and uh, Mm -hmm. etc., especially especially within the COVID restrictions. It's also, you know, for people back in Ukraine, just uh, to see somebody from outside Ukraine trying to help and that's a big thing. It's even for us here. It's probably hard to imagine. It's next to miracle to them. Oh, and for the past eight years, I would imagine, kind of word is kind of getting around. Ukraine war amps is is getting better known in Ukraine. Yeah, we we are known in Ukraine. You know, it's uh, there is room for improvement. Sure. Well, your budget would not, I'm sure, cover marketing and promotion. Uh, you have more more important things to do. Although, I mean. That was something I was going to ask you. If you had more financial resources, what would you like to do with them? How? What would be your focus? Well, uh, right now we are going through uh, through crisis in Ukraine, right? And uh, there is a, a bit of a panic. Uh, there is uh, people, you know, lining up to withdraw funds from from ATM machines. Um, could be shortage even, um, you know, like a grocery um, shortage or anything like that. So at this point, we may need to concentrate on uh, helping them with basic needs as well, mm-hmm. which is uh, food and uh, medicine. Okay. Okay. You had a couple of really great personal one-on-one programs that you started out with in 2014. And of course, it, come 2020, it was a little more difficult because of travel restrictions and, um, you know, sickness. And so people weren't able to travel to Ukraine. You had adopt a soldier and... Yeah, I was a uh, visit a soldier visit too. Visit a soldier, yes. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah visit a soldier... Well, uh, Catherine still uh, went to Ukraine just uh, relatively recently. Okay. And U- yeah, yeah, Ukraine is more or less open. Well, at least till now. Right, was. And uh, yeah, so it's uh, it's actually possible to get there. And uh, yeah, you do have some restrictions and just, uh, yeah, you know, many people just trying to avoid uh, traveling too much. But our... Uh, Adopt a soldier program is uh, actually great success and it's been attractive uh, since 2015 to many, many Canadians and Americans, Australian mm-hmm. uh, people from New Zealand, uh, Europe, uh, all over the places mm-hmm. join the program. And, you know, Ukrainian as uh, non-Ukrainian communities are attracted to that program. Because it's something you can feel you mm-hmm. you help a person, sure. you know you you help a cause, but you also help particular veteran, and that's I believe uh, make uh, everyone to feel uh, satisfied and a bit happier. Well, it yeah, it it does take some of the um, it doesn't remove the sorrow. That's impossible, but it does ease the burden on the families, and it does ease the burden on on the soldiers themselves and on the country as well, because there's, um, they don't feel abandoned. They You feel the love, really, and that makes all the difference in the world. Yeah. Again, um, as I said, for some of them, it's like a miracle. Yeah. Especially, you know, if you can think of a village in, I don't know, in northern Ontario or... 
wherever and Vancouver the guy, Island. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, wounded guy in that village uh, just to get a call, get uh, get a parcel, get uh, anything, get a greeting or, you know, like uh, mm-hmm. just uh, a Christmas, uh, Merry Christmas greeting from uh, from abroad, from Canada. And it just, it makes huge difference. And could you imagine we were helping to Richard Simbaluk from uh, Cherkasu region? He lives in a in a village uh, not far from uh, Dnipro River, mm-hmm. and uh, he's uh, one leg amputee, living a you know in a little hut uh, on his own. He's alone, no family, oh. and uh, wheelchair. Thanks God, at least he can move around his little house. Every move inside the hut or outside outdoor for him is a is a pain. Uh, especially uh, as we probably understand, like uh, this place is not really designed for amputees and disabled right. persons. Right. It's not even in Toronto everywhere. Yeah, in Toronto you have some designated spots and subway stations, certain stations with certain mm. limitations. And but if you talk about uh, remote places with uh, fewer people living there, especially right. in Ukraine during this war, it's out of question. And this guy, uh, and we sending him parcel. We getting in touch with him. We give him fifty dollars monthly basis, and uh, fifty bucks. It's 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 a big money. It's like uh, you know, he his income probably up to fifty bucks from uh, from the government, Aww. and uh, meaning we, we double his income. You know, right. with our little little donation, but wow. monthly reliable also reliable. Yeah, we we do it. Uh, month after month, year after year. And uh, now he receives a parcel with uh, with food from us. And the only other uh, person helping him is uh, his sister who needs to come from a remote village, different village. Oh. So it doesn't happen too often. Right. So just, uh, just an example of Victor Timbaluk. And you can imagine how important our the fact we know of him and uh, we helping him, how it is important for Ukrainian hero who stood up to defend Ukraine, our Ukraine, right. you know, for us and for himself. Right. And there are many more Victor Symboluks as well, I'm sure, scattered across Ukraine. Um, how many people have died uh, since 2014? Well, you mean uh, uh, official statistics? They say about uh, 15,000, but... It's not accurate. Yeah, I've heard that it's at least double that. You double or triple, who knows? Also, you know, just recently they say if um, if Russia uh, is going to start war now, British experts expect about uh, five to 10,000 soldiers killed on Ukrainian side, about the same amount on Russian side, and about 50,000 civilians. Oh, yeah, they, that's just what they say now. If Russia going to start anything, that's at least, at least what's going to happen. Oh. Now, uh, yeah, if they going to start uh, the attack or offense. And um, back then, could you imagine Donbass uh, region, the region where war um, actually happening for eight years, got, uh, plus Crimea, got like 10 million people living there. It's a densely populated area. Ten million. It's entire Ontario, I believe. Oh yeah. Oh. And that war was uh, that was real war. Sure. You some villages and some little towns disappeared. Uh, no people, no buildings. Oh, wow. Yeah, Shirokino. Shirokino is one of the examples. Oh, really? Shirokino city. It's not a city. It's uh, like a village, but it's village for ten thousand people is destroyed completely. 10,000 people village, oh. completely destroyed. The name is uh, Shirokina. And no one living there, no building uh, left. How many people, how many civilians survived? How many escaped? Uh, I don't know. I don't know if anyone knows. It just shows you what Russian troops leave, essentially, is, is death and ruin. That's the their speciality. Yeah. So tactics they use, scorch, scorch uh, land, yeah, yeah. and uh, 
they're not leaving anything. And of course, uh, yeah, and there's a propaganda war. I mean, they're accusing Ukraine of doing to them what they're actually doing to Ukraine, which is disgusting, but commonplace, I yeah. guess, in war. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, you know that uh, propaganda stuff. Yeah, it's uh, it is. Yeah, it it's there, and um, I don't know. It's um, it's there. Yeah, it's unfortunately that's one of the main uh, weapons they're using right now. Yeah. And and that propaganda based on you know technology often developed in Europe and um, America. Yeah. Yeah. So that's uh, that's unfortunately, but again, uh, as far as uh, Ukraine war arms is concerned, we are uh, we doing our anti-propaganda stuff, and we run, uh, you know, to, as a as a social uh, socially responsible team, we run a couple of projects, just anti-propaganda project or pro-Ukrainian propaganda project. Everyone can join our Facebook Ukraine Wamps group on Facebook. Twice every week, we post famous Ukrainian and uh, a biography of uh, of, of a person, etc. Oh. And uh, we call that project Hall of Fame. Oh. And uh, yeah, right now we're going through Ukrainian painters, and uh, we already kind of publishing information on Ukrainian painters for probably about uh, half a year. That just tells you how many famous Ukrainian wow. painters and talented painters we have or had wow. in Ukraine. And this but is... then we went through musicians and every uh, every aspect of life. So our Hall of Fame is going to be tremendous. Oh. Thousands of famous and talented people going to be there. That's one of the uh, oh, projects great. we're doing just to educate people. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. And this is in English, Ukrainian, or both? It's uh, English. Awesome. We basically conducting mostly uh, everything in English, okay. just because we are um, outside of Ukraine, sure. and uh, we want to talk to the world. Right, right. Okay, so Facebook is a great place to get this information, to get acquainted with Ukraine and Ukrainian history, if you're not um Yet, uh, and if even if you are, just to keep be reminded, and it, it's a great um, resource to share with those who who um, may not know. So that's fantastic, and of course, Facebook also is where you can keep in touch with the the heroes that you help and the families, and they can connect with you there to to donate. And you're taking donations to adopt a soldier, just general donations. Um, are you looking for volunteers? How can people help? Uh, always. We're always looking for volunteers. Anyone who want to help uh, either by sending financial aid or uh, allocating some slot of time to, to help us, always welcome. Okay. Again, uh, we, we together, we, we do United We Stand. That's what we say. Awesome. We, we do it for our Ukraine. Yes. Yeah. And uh, a wonderful project that 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 you created uh, eight years ago and it must be a great as you say give a lot of hope to the people there who i'm sure over these years and probably even more so now feel totally alone so thank you for doing what you do gene thank you for caring so much uh you and john as well and all the volunteers that are involved catherine olga cook uh, who you mentioned earlier who's been traveling and, and has done tremendous work did some work for us here on the show um helping out to share some of the stories and to let people know exactly the work that you do on the ground there so that's f- fantastic and you can follow Catherine. i'm sure she posts a lot on your page so um, that's right yeah so you can follow the incredible work that she does as well so and meet some of the other volunteers and join them um even i suppose just to um, just to help out with your your Facebook posting and things like that. Yeah, we have uh, um, look. We really have uh, a lot of different directions for volunteers, like in terms of uh, marketing, in terms of publishing stuff, in terms of uh, getting in touch with uh, prospects or donors or caring people or our or soldiers in Ukraine. In terms of uh, you know we run in uh, so many projects and uh, 
we need the project managers as well. Mm. Uh, it's it, it, it's a lot of work, a lot of opportunities, and uh, for those who need uh, or may need references, we also give uh, references. So it's uh, actually a good opportunity for student and for for anyone else who mm-hmm. cares. Yeah, and very, very rewarding and, and satisfying work to know that that exactly. you are you are helping someone at such a um, such a critical level. So that's great. So um, find you just do a search for War Amps on Facebook. Yeah, Facebook. Uh, well, you can start from Google. Okay. Uh, uh, just punch uh, mm-hmm. Ukraine War Amps. In, in Google, we'll find a lot of mm-hmm. articles. We'll find actually Nashholos as well mm-hmm. with uh, Ukraine WAM stories. And uh, you'll see us. You can go directly to Facebook and find our group there, Instagram and Twitter. Uh, we, we are everywhere. Okay. So it won't be hard to find you. Ukraine war amps. I can't forget Ukraine that. Ukraine war amps. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's great. For uh, PayPal and uh, e-transfer within Canada, people are welcome to use uh, Ukraine war amps at gmail.com. Okay. Our email address. Okay. Or just send us an email with questions. Right. Okay, great. And for, for PayPal, did you say your PayPal? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so then PayPal e-transfer to reach you is best via email or on Facebook, uh, Instagram, or Twitter. You can uh, get in touch uh, with us there. Okay. So just, uh, just right. write your comment uh, under the post. Okay. Or failing that, if you want a little more private, then it's um, ukrainewaramps at gmail.com. That's correct. Okay, perfect. Oh, and you have a website. And we have a website, of course. Yeah. 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 Uh, ca. Okay, really easy to remember then. Super. Mm-hmm. Well, Jane, thanks so much for doing the work that you do. Uh, I'm sure we're all praying that... Um, Miracles do happen, and uh, you are performing miracles in the lives of the people who are affected by war and have been for the past eight years, and I imagine you will be for some time to come yet. So thank you again for what you do. Anybody listening, if you're so inclined to help out, um, make a donation of time or money or both. Uh, much appreciated. And um, again, thanks, Jean. We'll have you on again to get an update. Um, but uh, thank you again for sharing uh, this information, and thank you for sharing your stories and for doing the work that you do. Thank you, Paulette, for having me. This is CHMB, AM 1320, Vancouver. Every day, more Ukrainian soldiers are killed or wounded by Russian invaders. You can help wounded heroes by joining the Adopt-A-Soldier program of registered charity Ukraine War Amps. A small monthly donation goes very far for medical services and living expenses and creates a special bond between you and a wounded hero. 100% of your contribution goes to the soldier. Please, adopt a soldier today. Visit ukrainewaramps.ca or find us on Facebook. Early bird weekend passes for Canada's National Ukrainian Festival 2022 are now available for only $110. Don't miss the very best in Ukrainian culture, food, music, and dancing on August long weekend in Dauphin, Manitoba. Visit Canada's National Ukrainian Festival on Facebook for featured entertainment. For only $110, early bird weekend passes are now available for Canada's National Ukrainian Festival 2022 in Dauphin, Manitoba. By phone at 204-622-4600 or online at cnuf.ca. Hey, you lose each other on a calena, pohililasia. Chos nasha slavna Ukraina, zajurilasia. Ame tu yu kalenu pidi memo Ame nashu slavnu ukrainu Ei hei ros veselimo Ame tu yu cervonu kalenu pidi memo Amin nashu slavno Ukrainu eros veselemo
And Sonia from Nashville, Tennessee, with a traditional Ukrainian patriotic song, Chervona Kalena, Red Cranberry. And earlier, before the interview, the Ukrainians with Chisnayishte, and that's a song about a Ukrainian expat going back to the old country to find his village. You're listening to Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio here on AM 1320 CHMB Vancouver, also broadcasting in Nanaimo Wednesdays at 11 a.m. until 1230 on CHLY 101.7 FM in Nanaimo. If you miss the live transmissions of the shows, you can get the podcast links as well as other information, audio files, transcripts, and so forth at www.nashholos.com. There's also a link to our Patreon site where you can support the show if you like. And our proverb of the week translates as strength, peace, prosperity, and happiness exist only in countries where the people have a wise and good leader. With that, we've come to the end of our program, so I will leave you with a song by a group called Shabya, and it speaks to the situation in Ukraine today. It is called Bratya Ukrainsi, Ukrainian Brothers. I'm Pavlina on behalf of all of us here at Nash Holos and AM1320. Thanks for listening and Dobranich. Я йду на війноньку нашу землю захищати. Не плачте за мною, якщо полі згину. Все вітам за любоненьку нашу Україну. Єдинаємося, браття, Украину
Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now.